Hello gang, Bill Creasy here, early in the morning on Good Friday. When I woke up this morning, I prayed the Office of Readings from the Liturgy of the Hours. And it was a very profound reading, and I'd like to share it with you. In the second reading, it's by St. John Chrysostom. And he writes, If we wish to understand the power of Christ's blood, we should go back to the ancient account of its prefiguration in Egypt. Sacrifice a lamb without blemish, commanded Moses, and sprinkle its blood on your doors. Now, if we were to ask him what he meant and how the blood of an irrational beast could possibly save men endowed with reason, his answer would be that the saving power lies not in the blood itself, but in the fact that it is a sign of the Lord's blood. In those days, when the destroying angel saw the blood on the doors, he did not dare to enter. So how much less will the devil approach now when he sees not that figurative blood on the doors, but the true blood on the lips of believers, the doors of the temple of Christ? If you desire further proof of the power of this blood, Remember where it came from, how it ran down from the cross, flowing from the Master's side. The Gospel records that when Christ was dead but still hung on the cross, a soldier came and pierced his side with a lance, and immediately there poured out water and blood. Now the water was a symbol of baptism, and the blood of the Holy Eucharist. The soldier pierced the Lord's side. He breached the wall of the sacred temple. And I have found the treasure and made it my own. So also with the lamb. The Jews sacrificed the victim, and I have been saved by it. There flowed from his side water and blood. Beloved, do not pass over this mystery without thought. It has yet another hidden meaning, which I will explain to you. I said that water and blood symbolized baptism and the Holy Eucharist. From these two sacraments, the Church is born. From baptism, the cleansing water that gives rebirth and renewal through the Holy Spirit, and from the Holy Eucharist. Since the symbols of baptism and the Eucharist flowed from his side, it was from his side that Christ fashioned the church, as he had fashioned Eve from the side of Adam. Moses gives a hint of this when he tells the story of the first man and makes him exclaim, Bone from my bones and flesh from my flesh. As God then took a rib from Adam's side and fashioned a woman, so Christ has given us blood and water from his side to fashion the church. God took the rib from Adam when he was asleep, and in the same way, Christ gave us the blood and water after his own death. Do you understand then? how Christ has united his bride to himself 
and what food he gives us all to eat? By one and the same food, we are brought together into being and nourished. As a woman nourishes her child with her own blood and milk, so does Christ unceasingly nourish with his own blood those to whom he himself has given life. I think that's a really profound reading, and it gives us great insight to what happened there on the cross. In the Liturgy of the Hours in the Easter season volume, at the very back is an appendix of poetry, and I'd like to share one of those poems with you because I'm really struck by it here on Good Friday. It's titled, The Killing, and it's by Edwin Muir. Listen carefully. That was the day they killed the Son of God on a squat hilltop by Jerusalem. Zion was bare, her children from their maze, sucked by the demon curiosity, clean through the gates. The very halt and blind had somehow gotten themselves up the hill. After the ceremonial preparation, the scourging, nailing, nailing against the wood, erection of the main trees with their burden, while from the hill rose an orchestral wailing, there they were at last, high up in the soft spring day. We watched the writhings, heard the moanings, saw the three heads turning on their separate axles like broken wheels left spinning. Round his head was loosely bound a crown of plaited thorns that hurt at random, stinging temple and brow as the pain swung into its envious circle. In front of the wreath was gathered a knot that as he gazed looked like the last stump left of a death-wounded deer's great antlers. Some who came to stare grew silent as they looked, indignant or sorry. But the hardened old and the hard-hearted young, although at odds from the first morning, cursed him with one curse. Having prayed for a rabbi or an armed messiah and found the Son of God. What use to them was a God or a Son of God? Of what avail for purposes such as theirs? Beside the crossfoot alone, four women stood and did not move all day. The sun revolved, the shadow wheeled, the evening fell. His head lay on his breast. But in his breast, they watched his heart move on by itself, alone, comp accomplishing its journey. Their taunts grew louder, sharpened by the knowledge that he was walking in the park of death far from their rage. Yet all grew stale at last. Spite, curiosity, envy, hate itself. 
They waited only for death. And death was slow. And came so quietly, they scarce could mark it. They were angry then with death, at death's deceit. I was a stranger. Could not help read these people on this or this outlandish deity. Did a god indeed in dying cross my life that day by chance? He on his road and I on mine? That's something to think about, friends. Indeed, we were all strangers on the road and we crossed the path of Christ. How do we respond? Did we turn away, not wanting to look, afraid? Were we simply not interested in this outlandish deity? Or did we look closely and see the water and the blood flow from his side? Water and blood that washed us clean of our sin. Something to think about on this Good Friday day as we move into Holy Saturday and the glory of the resurrection on Sunday. I hadn't planned on this podcast, but I just wanted to share my readings with you from this morning's prayer. Blessings to all of you. Bye-bye.